Amen. Praise the Lord. So if I'm kind of preaching like this, you'll know why. Amen. So, well, if you got your Bibles this evening, we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 24 and then go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I, uh, I just prayed about this service and different things. I, sometimes I just carry a legal pad and a pen and go with it and see what the Lord wants to do. And, and I guess the best way in the last few years that I've been ministering is, I don't know, have you went in, I, I, as a man, I'll say it this way, I go into a suit company or, you know, where they have slacks and dress suits and stuff. You, you might have 20 exactly look-alike jackets made by the same company with the same brand, but they're different sizes. Well, it's not hard to go over and just pick one out and go out and get it and leave. But if you really want a nice suit, you get it altered and custom fit. And that's what I started praying is I just didn't want to preach a, a, a sermon. I just I wanted messages. I wanted, I wanted something to where when I left that the word still burned inside your heart. Amen. And then there's sometimes I go back and I say, well, Lord, I think I've preached most of this before at another place. And, and the Lord, date one day, I believe he said this. He said, you know, the recipe for bread is thousands of years old, but the key is to bake it fresh. And you do that through prayer and going back and studying it and, and revamping and tailor fitting that message right where you're at. And then the next place, you might need to tailor or tweak that message again, or sometimes just start over and do something different. Amen. I want to minister on something because um, I've been studying a little bit about the end times. And, and I felt like the Lord said, um, a lot of people today are, you know, like the days of Noah, and it has different meanings. So we'll be coming to the Son of Man. And I've I been studying just a little bit of the sons of Issachar. And one thing about them was they, they knew the seasons that they were they're in. They knew what was going on. You know, people says, well, I know what's going on, you know. You know, Carolina Panthers has only won two games, amen. I'm not talking about that, amen. I, I just seen that the other day, I don't know. But anyway, the thing is, is we have a conscientious awareness. You know, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over, but he only rebuked the crowd one time. He says, you, you can look up and know when it's going to rain, but you don't know the season that you're living in. And I thought, well, I want to get in and started getting into different scriptures and different things. And, and I found out there was patterns in the Bible and stuff. And sometimes, you know, it's one thing when, you, when you're taught faith, but it's another thing when you get the spirit of faith yourself. Amen. Like, I'll give you an example. When you go through the book of Acts and you start reading and you start seeing the patterns of every time somebody got filled with the spirit... You know, Peter got filled like three or four times in the book of Acts, and it says he spoke with boldness, but eight weeks before that, he couldn't even witness to a little girl. So I started realizing every time it mentions somebody got filled, right after that, they spoke with boldness. Confidence came. They had courage. They went to the very thing they were hiding and fearful of and spoke boldly to it. And another thing is I found out is every, not every single time, but there is a... a very impressive amount of scriptures sometimes that you can find about certain subjects. But one of them is when you see the end times or the second coming or the return of Christ or the end of the age, and they mention believers, there's one characteristic I found out that they mentioned that believers are supposed to have. It's, it means to be steadfast. And when I got in this, I started studying it and reworking some things. Because I've preached on steadfastness in the years past, but I've never seen it in this context. So if you allow me this evening, I want to minister some things to you and, and offer you a challenge 
by the time we get done, to stop back, step back and say, God, let me have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of God is saying. Let, let, me, let me be able to discern the time that I'm living in, this end time, so I could have a conscientious awareness. One thing I do is this. I don't try to go from one ditch and overcorrect and go to the other ditch. But one thing I have is a conscientious awareness. I sit with a lot of people on planes. I, I'm, you know, this week I was, I just got out of a car and a dog came up to me. An older man came up. We started talking. Talk to him about the Lord. And he told me, he said, I've been wanting to go to heaven. <laughs> 84 years old. I could have said, well, get your dog away. Does your dog bite? No, I said, what's your dog's name? Amen? I mean, I got nine fingers left, but that's, no, I'm just, <laughs> but it's a conscientious awareness. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. Now, let's get right into this. I preach a little fast, so you'll have to just listen fast. Amen? So, I looked up the word steadfast. It means to be firmly, uh, firmly established, fixed in place, or position. Firmly established, fixed in place, or position, or not subject to change. But when I got into this, this is the thing that really, really jumped out at me. And this is why I want to kind of have the theme going all the way through it besides the word, quote, steadfastness. Firm in belief. I believe we need to mean what we say and say what we mean. We, you know, compromise is accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. See, improvise is not wrong, but compromise is just simply accepting what you don't believe because you refuse to fight for what you do believe. And one thing I've learned is uh, not too long ago I was in prayer and I felt like the Lord challenged me. He said, I, I, I need your voice in the earth at this time. That's how I heard it. I need your voice in the earth at this time. And he said, I don't need you to stop. He said, stop talking about what is happening and start saying what you want to see happen. So I started getting decrees and declarations and started speaking the word of God because my voice is my address in the spirit. And if I don't speak, I lose by default. So therefore, I'm establishing something in my life and letting people know this. Because if you really believe something, guess what's going to trigger? I believe, therefore, I speak. And I thought, I'm going to be firm in what I believe because I'm going to be consistent in what I say. Amen. Did you hear that? Uh, come on, you got to be firm in what you believe. you got to be steadfast. So the end times will come. And I thought, man, people go, I want to be like Elijah. Oh, it would have been so fun to sit back there and see the Red Sea part. Oh, it would have been something to see that, uh, uh, well, that axe head float to the... Uh, the, the prophets desired to see the time that we're living in. We, this is one of the greatest times in history. And people go, well, you know, there's just so much sin. I preached in Vegas last week. I mean, I'm a holy roller, but I preached in Vegas, amen? <laughs> and I have some of the best services. Why? Because where sin abounds, His grace will abound that much more. Light exposes the darkness. When I fly in, I just look and go, man, that, look at that. Look how much wealth is in the world. That town was built off of losers. How much can we build the kingdom of God with winners? <laughs> So firm in belief. Look at Matthew chapter 24. I don't, I don't know. I forgot to give you my scriptures too. So are, are y'all doing okay? Everybody happy? All right. Notify your face every once in a while. All right. Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. Let me get over here in verse 1. This is the New American Standard Version. It says, And Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to the point out of the temple buildings to him. 
And he answered and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say unto you, Not one stone here shall be left upon another, which will not be torn down. Verse 3. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? Watch this now. And the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, See that no man mislead you. Now, I'm going to get later into this, this message and show you one scripture refers to that. But notice this. Two things he told us about the end times. You know what he said? Fear not and be not deceived. The thing about deception is this. It's not when you know it. It's always after the fact. See, when you're deceived, you don't know it. And if you don't think you can be, you already are. Amen. Look at verse 5. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. And you will be here in this wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And in various or different places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these are just the beginning or uh, the birth pains. Now, I don't know about you, but you could put that on, on the news tonight. Nobody would think nothing about it. Why? Because it's happening. But I looked at verse 8, and I, I called one of my sisters, which was probably a mistake. I, she has two grown boys. And I said, can you, can you kind of elaborate what it feels like when you give birth to a baby? Whew. Still trying to get those images out of my head, amen. But I did write a couple things down. Pain, denial, discomfort, and work. Well, you're going to have some hardships. You know, if you read uh, Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he said, take with me your share of the hardships and sufferings that you were called to endure. A good first-class soldier should be, you know, ready and do these things. Now, I'm not saying go out and look for problems. I mean, that, that's like me driving through town and saying, hey, Pastor Greg, why do you miss Glenda doing? Not much. What do you want to do? Well, let's just drive around Lynchburg and look for potholes. How many knows you don't have to drive around Lynchburg and look for potholes? They find you. But do you turn around and go back home if you find a pothole? No, you deal with it, but you stay on the road. Amen? So let's go on here. Now, look at... 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look verse 1, 2, and 15. This is the Amplified Classic. It says, But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, I beg you, brethren. Now, how many in here are Christians over here? Let me see on this side of the boat. Right? If you're a Christian, raise your hand. We'll just do an altar call, save seven minutes right here. What about over here? Praise the Lord. Yeah, I like some people that are like, Everybody back there? Everybody online? If you're not, then we'll have a message for you later this service. This is talking to you. you we, start taking this message as a letter personally written to you. It says this, but relative to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and our gathering together to meet him, I beg you, brethren. Now, I think it's interesting. Paul even told the Romans, he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present yourself or your bodies unto God as a living sacrifice. Now, look at verse 2. Not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or letter to be alleged from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. But look at verse 15. It's talking to you again. So then, brethren... Stand firm, hold fast to the traditions and instructions which you were called and taught by us, whether by our word of mouth or by our letter. Now, I'm going to tell you a quick story here. I heard this 
from a, a friend of mine, and they, they don't know nothing about boxing. She said she came in one day, and she was sitting there, and this was years ago, but I, I've always remembered this story because it was so pertinent to, you know, kind of things in life. But she said she came home, she was by herself one day, and she thought, well, don't watch much TV, but I'm going to turn it on. She sat there, and this guy named Tyson and Holyfield were about ready to box for the first time. This is not the bite fight. This is where Holyfield was just supposed to get destroyed in like three rounds. Well, she got up there, and they thought, I don't even know who to root for. She got up there, she was looking at it, and all of a sudden, she found out Holyfield was a Christian. She said, well, you know what? I'm going to root for the Christian guy. So she went back, and she sat down on her couch, not knowing anything about boxing. It's like when I go to a hockey game. I have no clue what's going on. I was sitting there. I mean, she was sitting there watching it, and she said the first round went along. She thought, not bad. He held his own. Second round went along. It looks like he's actually winning the fight now. She said by the third round, she noticed that she was standing up and just watching the round like this because she's getting into it. She was almost getting like butterflies. I actually did this this last week. I, w- I don't watch a lot of sports, but I turned on something just to, you know, have some noise or something, and the game was on. It was right at the end of the game. I thought, well, I'll just watch it. I'm sitting there, and I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I'd Hadn't watched it but one minute, two minutes, and they're driving and fourth down and 12, and he throws the ball before he gets sacked, and they score at the last minute. The other team gets the ball, and they're driving down the thing, and I'm wrapped into this thing now going, oh, man, wow, I caught a good game the last two minutes, and I didn't even see it over in the corner. It said 2021 AFC champion. <laughs> Well, she was watching this boxing match, and she was sitting there, and by the fifth round, she, I think the fourth round happened, and she was getting so excited, and she was getting nervous and almost borderline upset. She, ran, she said, I ran into the kitchen to get something to drink, came back out, and sat there, and the fifth round started. She said, when the fifth round came around, I was sitting there going, come on, Holyfield. Now, just a few minutes before this, before the fight started, she didn't even know it was on. She didn't know nothing about the boxers. But now she's all wrapped into it. She's got, for him, against you. Come on, come on. Well, she's sitting there, and she's just kind of getting going like this, waiting for the commercials to go. Sixth round didn't come along. They went back to the studios. They started talking. They started doing different things. And she was like, what are you guys doing? This is one of the best boxing matches, and you're sitting here doing this? And she was just like, I can't believe this. Somebody needs, I mean, she just went off. She just said, she sat there and went, I can't believe this. And all of a sudden, they said, after about three or four minutes, now we're going to go back to the sixth round because we're going to see how Holyfield ends up winning in the eighth or ninth. I forget what it was. She went, oh, you got to be kidding. So she went back and sat down and realized she was watching a rerun. But when she sat down this time, she didn't get upset, excited, or alarmed. She was just sitting there watching the boxing match. She, she said basically Holyfield could have got knocked down twice and they would have been going four, five, six, seven. She said, didn't bother me. She said, the reason is, is I knew my man had already won the fight. So I was sitting here reading about this and thinking, if we don't know the time and the season that we're living in, and we're not knowing the truth and continuing in it, and keeping our hands to our plow, pressing towards our mark and staying in our lane, and not letting the attractions and distractions or the potholes of life to get us all out of whack and start talking about all the things that's happening in the earth, 
instead of talking about what God said would happen in the earth, then people are going to be running around back and forth and everything. And their hearts are going to fail them for the fear that's coming up on the earth. Amen? So they're going to say, oh, save the well, save the tree, save all this. They're going to be running back and forth. But we're going to be sitting there like a post in a hole. I remember growing up, my uncle Howard, uh, I was just with his son, Mark. We grew up next together like brothers. Uncle Howard one time, I was probably about seven. He's like nine. And he said, you want to come over and help me put some fence posts in? Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Now, I, you know, I, we didn't have Pilates back in. We didn't have, you know, the Navy SEALs regiment. We didn't have all these different things. We didn't have all these Pilates, you know, all these different things and aerobics and all the workout drills and all this and that. You know what we had? We had a tampy bar and a post hole digger. And it, I'm telling you, if I could have moved my arms the next morning, I would have slapped myself. Amen. Dear Lord in heaven. He said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do six feet apart. We're going to go down 18 inches. We're not going to use concrete. We're going to go around to the field here in the back of the yard. Uh, he had a big back. He said, we're going to find all the rocks. We've got plenty of rocks. We're going to use those. When you get them, bring them up. We'll do it. And I'll show, show you how to do the first one. And you all can do the second one. We put it in there, we dug, we dug them all out, measured them off. Good job, all right, got all the rocks. He said, all right, now throw some rocks down there, but not too many. Put about four inches of rock. He said, all right, now let's put some dirt, about three or four inches. Take, take that tamping bar and just smack it down all the way. Oh, it's heavy. I know, but we're putting a level on it, sitting there like this, doing that. We repeated that process and over and over until it got to the top. I'm going to tell you, after we got all six of those done, I mean, I was wore out, but I sat there and I went, yeah, bless God in heaven. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? Do you know years past that, that, that fence was still up. And I knew why. Because it was fixed in place, not subject to anything, and it was firm. where It was, it was actually firm in the plant there. So that's what I'm trying to get across today is this. People are going to run to and fro and all these different things. And people are going to be upset and excited and alarmed. They're going to put labels on it. For fear and deception, political correctness, you're, you know, you're, you're too, you're whatever. They're going to label you. They're going to do all this. But the thing is, is it doesn't matter what the world calls you. It's what God calls you. People can ruin your reputation, but they can't touch your character. See, your reputation is merely what people think you are, but your character is who you are. You're in charge of that. And when people are running to and fro, you're going to be like a fence post just standing there going... People say, what's, what's going on? Why aren't you upset and alarmed? Why aren't you getting on? Don't you know all these things? We got an asteroid coming. They even got a name for it now. It's going to happen on Friday the 13th, 2000, whatever. I said, yeah, but I'm going to remain fixed in place. Well, you know what? The market might crash. We might do this. I mean, I can't even afford it. I mean, you, have you seen rent lately? I mean, you can't even afford it. I mean, just, oh. and I'm going, yep. But I'm not going to budge. Why? I'm fixed in place. I'm going to bloom where I planted. And people are going to run back and forth. And all of a sudden they're going to say, what is it about you that kills you to just remain unmovable, steadfast, right where you're at? He said, because all you have to do is say this. Well, one thing I know is this. My man has already won the fight. He has given me the victory. In Christ Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And nothing shall separate me from the love of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
Every time you do that, I believe the Holy Spirit just goes boom, 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 boom. Amen? It's so fun to preach here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 15. This is Amplified Classic. Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many knows you can't just go, you don't go outside with no clothes on in public? Well, you shouldn't go walk out around the spirit realm with no, nothing on. You better put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, you better have the word of God there. The word of God ready. The shield of faith. Now watch this, Ephesians 6. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able, watch this, that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all that the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Verse 14. Stand therefore, hold your ground Having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and put on the breastplate of integrity and moral recidivism. I can't say that. Recidivism. How do you say it? That one too. And rise standing with God and having shod your feet with the preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Now, if you look at verse 13, it says, when you've done all you know to do, it says what? Stand. You know what that word actually means? When you've done all you know to do, continue. I like the phrase I grew up with. Keep on keeping on. Keep moving forward. Keep going on. The dogs bark. I remember Oral Roberts one day. He was sitting there in a the room. I was sitting there in the back. They said, Dr. Roberts, how did you survive? You've been accused. You had all this. You've had setbacks. You've had all these attacks. You've done all this. And he just sat there like a fence post. When they got done, he said, the dogs bark, but the train keeps moving. <laughs> Amen? So here's what I wrote down when I read that passage. Hold your position until it changes your condition. Hold your position until it changes your condition. In other words, that word stand is a military sense. It means a solid front. In other words, you must maintain what you've obtained or you'll go back to the same thing. Amen? So how do you do that? Well, Ephesians 4.27 gives us a hint that if you got a chance tonight, you ought to just read the whole chapter 4 in Ephesians in the Amplified Classic. It's one of the best reads you'll have. But verse 27 we always go to because it says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Why does it say foothold? Well, because over here it says in verse 15 that we should have the firm-footed stability and the promptness. We should be ready. We should be stable, ready, and go. So we need to be there until, we, how, how, how can I say it? The scripture says, occupy until he comes. Now look over to 1 Peter 5, 7 through 9. Now I think this is a very interesting scripture about being firm in belief. Because how many knows the Bible says in Psalms 55, 22, release the weight of your care upon him, and he will sustain or keep your life. Amen? Now, he didn't say the responsibility. He said the weight and of the care. Amen? Now watch this. Verse 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking he, whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished on your brethren that are in the world. Now I'm going to tell you the reason I read this was this. Years ago when the Lord was teaching me about steadfastness, it was this. I, I, I fly a lot. I think I did like 81 flights last year. I don't know how many I've done this year. I had to take a couple weeks off to recover from something. But that was okay. I got some good rest. Amen? 
watch my grass grow. No. I'll tell you a funny story. I was traveling so much that I woke up in my bedroom. I had a procedure done, so I was, I was laying in my bed that morning. I was looking around. I went, I looked over, and I have two windows with a half moon with a cathedral, little cathedral ceiling in my, I was sitting there. I looked around, looked at the windows, looked back, look. I looked over that way. And so help me, this is what I said. I said, this hotel room looks exactly like my bedroom. <laughs> and I said, I don't know if I was still under one. I started laughing. I went, oh, I'm home. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I was medicated. I was medic. I was medicated. I liked that. I was not meditating. I was medicating. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, I, 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 I fly like. Um, I drive now to the airport. At one time, I had a shuttle service. Before they, before I left them, they said, hey, do you know you're number four on our list? I said, what do you mean? Is that good or bad? Because if it's bad, I got three, you know, three, there's three ahead of me. They said, no, you got four, over 400 trips with us. I said, really? They said, oh, yeah. And so I, I would drove a lot with them in different things like that. Well, they, they had a service where I could drive down three miles and park on a facility owned by the city, and they would pick you up there and take you. Or for about six or eight bucks more, they pick you up at your house, which was a lot better. You could leave your car there and not have to worry about it or be concerned. And so I called. I was the first one picked up. What's the big deal about being the first one picked up? Well, the thing about the first one being picked up was, is you could sit anywhere you wanted in the van. And I always like to sit up in the cold captain chair because you could lay back, do this, you could control your own vents. You don't have to sit next to somebody wonder if they're, you know, you know, have beliefs of not taking baths or, you know what I'm saying? So I was the first one picked up and I was like, so I had a nonstop flight on Delta, which I don't fly very often, but my cousin was in Atlanta. He had my van at that time, and I was going to fly back nonstop on a big plane. He was going to pick me up. We was going to have a nice dinner with him and his wife. Next morning, I was going to drive over to Alabama and do some ministry there because he was that close. Well, I got up. I was the first one picked up, and this new driver... <laughs> We just drove around for a while, picked up everybody, and he said, hey, listen, I'm going to have to pull over and run credit cards now. But before I woke up that morning, I believe the Lord challenged me and said, I want you to trust me today, and don't make haste in what you do. And I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> and I kept looking at my watch, and the Lord just said, trust me. Don't get, don't get upset. Trust me. Cast the weight of your care upon me. Don't have any anxiety for anything. Don't take thought right now. I ask you to do this, so trust me. I said, okay, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> so I finally looked at the driver and I said, hey, listen, I used to manage a, a restaurant. And I said, I can run credit cards if everybody trusts me. I'll run your stuff and, we'll do it, and you can keep driving. And he turned around and said, is that okay with everybody? And they said, yeah, let's go. So I was running that, and I put it back there, and they would do it, and I'd tear it off, get it back. You know, I mean, it took me like 20 minutes to do it. So we, we, we were already a third of the way there. You ever heard the phrase, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first? I was the last one dropped off. We're cutting it to close. I thought about running through people. <laughs> I knew some shortcuts in the airport. But you know what I did? I come to a conclusion, and I just said, Lord... If, if, I, if I missed a plane, I'm going to miss it trusting you. 
because there comes a time in my life I'm just going to have to release the weight of my care and not, you know, because you spoke a word to me. So I believe my steps are ordered, not my head, so I'm not going to figure it out. And, 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 and I did everything I did normal, and, and I was sitting there, and it was getting close. We're going down the escalator. We have to go over, catch a train, go back to B terminal or C, go out, go up the escalator again, go to the gate, and then get on the plane. It's a good 15, 20 minutes. Well, they closed the doors at a certain time. So I'm going down through security, and I, just, I come to a, a place in me to where I begin to trust the Lord with all of my heart. I lean not to my understanding, but in all my ways, I acknowledged him. And I knew I was doing it. And I said, all right, I believe you're going to direct my path. If I missed a flight, re-redirect, recalculate, that's fine. The genius, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. He's already went before me. Come on, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Not your anxiety, not your fear, not your fretting. So we go through security and all that. We're going down. And I noticed the guy was standing next to me, but one up. What caught my attention was his, had all these gold rings on his sleeve. He was sitting there and I looked up and he's just eating popcorn. I, I noticed he had all this gold leaf on his stuff. I looked up. I'm loud anyway. And we're still going down the escalator. And I said, boy, I sure hope you were. I said, I sure wish you were my pilot. He said, where are you flying to? I said, Atlanta. He said, hey, me too. I said, uh, I'm flying on Delta. He goes, well, I'm a Delta senior pilot. <laughs> We're still going down the escalator. He said, what time are you leaving? I said, uh, I think it was 11 or 1. He, go, I, he goes, me too. I said, what flight number? <laughs> How many knows you get those three? It doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> when he told me, I looked up. I said, you're my pilot. He goes, you want some popcorn? <laughs> I said, no, I got something more than popcorn. I got the peace that passes all understanding. Because God was teaching me stuff. And if you read anything when I put it on Facebook, the other day I was on the airport. This has happened at numerous times now. Because God proved him. I, I, he had, I had to trust him at that situation. I was in Arizona, uh, uh, Phoenix. I'm going to be in Phoenix this weekend uh, flying in there. And they have a, um, they, the terminals go like this and they have like, it's like a wheel that goes over to the next one. Well, I had a quick flight to New Mexico and I had to fly back to California. So I was getting in there and I walked across that little connector like this. And I was sitting there and I heard the Holy Ghost say, your pilot's behind you. I turned around. There was nobody but a pilot. I said, hey, how you doing? He said, good. I said, who are you flying with? He said, Mesa Air, but we're with this company. I said, oh, that's, my, that's the airline I'm flying. He said, where are you flying to? I said, Durango. He goes, that's where I'm going. I said, what time? He was my pilot. This has happened at different times. This last week before I flew down here, I had some disruptions and side things. But what, what I'm trying to say is this. I'm not sweating the little stuff. The little foxes can spoil the vineyard of your love. But when you are holding fast and you're firm in what you believe, you're not giving place to the devil because you're for, you're. you're, you're Foot, you got a foundation under you. You're not letting anything in. Come on now. I walked almost in front of some pilots. I, I let an older lady use the water. She said, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, here, let me help you. And I did it and all this. She said, thank you. I said, Merry Christmas. She said, Merry Christmas. So I'm sitting there. I get mine. I walk out. And I almost run right into these pilots. I said, oh, gentlemen, I am so sorry. It was a, 
silver pillar there. They go, no, that's all right. They walked up about four steps, and the Holy Ghost said, those are your pilots. I said, I don't doubt it. See, I went from fretting to trusting now. I said, gentlemen, I said, uh, are, would you all happen to be going to Charlotte at uh, 7 o'clock on gate C30? And they said, yeah, both of us are. I thought, man, double now. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? So in the little things, when you're trusting God, it remains steadfast. Because why? A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Let not this man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. You can't have sweet water and bitter water coming out of your mouth at the same time. So what I did was, now I just trust the Lord. See, if you look at Acts, can you put up Acts chapter 20, verse 19 through 24 for me? The Apostle Paul had one of the best examples of where he remained steadfast in his life. How many knows he was shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, all this? I mean, they were after uh, the thorn that was, you know, he had a thorn in the, I mean, everything was coming against him. But you know what he said? Serving the Lord with all humility and mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me in lying way to the Jews. Verse 20, Acts 24. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. But I have shown you and taught you publicly from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold I go bound in the spirit. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Except the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city saying. A bonds and affliction shall abide me. But you know the verse that just blesses me. Is the very next one. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. One thing I love is when they described who Jesus was. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thought, my Lord, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. All I need to do is abide in him because if he abides in me, we are the same. Amen? Now, let's, let's go to a, uh, one other thing. I'm going to show you one more example, and we'll get into a couple things and close. Look, look at Acts chapter 2. You remember when uh, uh, Peter, you know, uh, Peter, you know, he walked and ain't slept with Jesus for three and a half years. I mean, that's a pretty good, you know, he didn't get a diploma, but that's still pretty good credentials. And then he turned around, couldn't witness to a little girl, denied Jesus three times. And he, can I just be honest with you? I really believe he was trying to cut the guy's head off. But he's a fisherman, not a swordsman, and he just, I think he took the ear. He said, I'll settle for the ear there. <laughs> then Jesus had to stop and clean that mess up. So what happened was he got filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Boldness comes. Now, it's 54 to 56 days. It depends because the trial was somewhere around at night. It was kind of an odd situation. because So that's the time frame that you can be comfortable with. From the time he did all that to where he went up to the very people he was hiding from, after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, boldness came upon him. But guess what else he had? He was, he was steadfast in what he believed. He was firm in what he believed. It's like when Paul said, I now know in whom I have believed. He got up to the very people in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. He went up to them and said, you men of Judea and all that dwell here, hearken and listen to what I got to say. Now watch this, verse 18 through 40, he preached the first sermon. Death, burial, and resurrection gave the first altar call in verse 41. 
What did they say after he gave the first altar call? Because he turned around the next three, five, and six. He shadow hit in the name of Jesus. Got healed. Acts 4, 4, he prayed for more boldness. And then verse 29 through 31, signs and wonders was done by, through the name of the holy child Jesus. But what happened after he got filled with the Holy Spirit? Look what they did. See, it's one thing when you know the truth, but the Bible says you've got to continue in it, and the truth will set you free. My cousin Mark and I was pushing his uh, dad's old uh, pickup with the shifter on it, had to turn windows, had the steps on the side, metal, solid metal. Had the chains where you could come down halfway or all the way down. Had the clutch shifter. Dwight, his older brother, was just learning to drive it. We was about four miles away from the house after a game. He says, you boys are going to have to get, he said, hey, get back there, you and Mark, get back there and push it. We pushed it and tried to push it and push it. Couldn't push it, couldn't push it, couldn't push it. I, I think I fell down one time. Kept doing it. How many knows when you're pushing something, it's not budging, something is still happening? Wouldn't it be so funny if you had somebody that didn't know how to work a microwave? I got a microwave button. It's three minutes, 15 seconds. After three minutes, nothing. If you didn't know that, you would pull it out and say, this bag's defective. Put another one in, another three minutes. Two. No, what they did was you got to let patience have her perfect work, being entire wanting nothing. You may walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, but fear no evil, because his word and his spirit or his rod and staff shall comfort you. That's why you've got to take out your mouth and begin to proclaim and decree into situations instead of calling those things which are, call those things which be not as if they should be. You know what, what he did? Look, look, what, look what they did right after he preached and 3,000 people got saved. Look at this. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received the word was baptized, and the same day there was added unto them about 3,000 souls. And look at verse 42. Can anybody read this? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship and breaking in bread and prayer and fear or holy reverence came upon every soul because many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together they had all things common come on man one could put a thousand to flight come on if you had a hundred people and you had one person with a gun one person stand up and only one they'll shoot that one but when 60 stand up at the same time the guy with the gun will run are you seeing what I'm saying here let's let's go on here real quick Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I have declared unto you the gospel, which you also you received, and wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now, if you go on down here, it's really interesting, verse 57. Well, let's read 51 and 52, because always remember Every time you see the end times, the last days, second coming of Christ, anything like that, you're going to see one characteristic mentioned that believers should be. What is it? Steadfastness, which means what? Firm in belief, not subject to change, fixed in position. Now watch this, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Look at verse 57. But thanks be to God which has given us the victory. Now watch this. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's verse 58 say? Therefore, my beloved brethren. Everybody raised their hand earlier. This is you. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that you're what? Labor is not in vain in the Lord. What did it say in verse 2? That your believing is not in vain. So whatever you do, you're going to have your work, your believing, whatever, if you don't remain steadfast, be empty and useless. That's why Paul said, I came to you, I preached in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. He said, I came to you, I preached you the gospel. Some of you, you heard it, you received it, stood on it. Some of you gave and got saved by it. But if you don't put in memory and do what I tell you, all my preaching was useless. It's not just enough to know or have the merit badge on your Holy Ghost sash. You got to go back. So let me just say this. I've learned this sitting out there and allowing the Holy Spirit. When you hear your pastor stand up and go, all right, we're going to have the next three weeks on prayer. You go, I already know about prayer. Oh, so you don't eat bread anymore with your meals? Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? See, he's not just trying to feed you. The Bible says we got to go back and, and, and reiterate things to those who already know, basically. But we need to feed the lambs as well as the sheep. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we could all be in what? One mind and one accord. So when we're all getting the same thing taught, it's not that we have really, you, you can have, how can I say this? You can go from information to revelation, but if you let it slip, Hebrews 2.1 says, these truths can slip past us and drift away because faith does not come by having heard, but comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear it, it reestablishes its place. It causes you to be more foot, uh, foot your feet more uh, st stabilized, and you're now basically continuing therein, knowing the truth. See, when we got into that pickup, I'm gonna pick this up and I'll move on. When, when we got in that pickup, nothing was happening. It was almost like a a popcorn bag after three minutes. How many knows the popcorn bag pops in the last 15 seconds? If you take it out too short, you're going to miss the fruit of your labor. It's going to be in vain. My, my cousin and I would just push it and push it. And we'd be like, it's not moving. He goes, keep pushing it. We kept pushing it. I, I could tell I was starting to sweat. I was like, oh. All of a sudden, it budged. It was like, like popcorn. One pop. Two pop, three pop, pop. All of a sudden, we started pushing it, and he said this. He said, back off, I'm going to pop the clutch. Because if, if he popped it and it jerked real bad, you can hit your mouth on the tailgate or bumper. All of a sudden, he went, run, run, run. He said, hurry, jump in. Now, here's my point. Our job is to know the truth and continue therein. Remain steadfast as we were yesterday, today, and the days to come. Come on. Let none of these obstacles move us. Even though we don't know what, what is ahead of us. But we know the Holy Spirit is still speaking to us. You have that reassurance to where you know you can trust the Lord with all your heart. Because Paul said, I now know in whom I have believed. He knew what he was believing, but he knows now in whom he believes. 
Amen? So all of a sudden, that, that he, when we jumped in, all of, I remembered years ago, and I was thinking about John 8. Now watch this, and, I'll, and we'll move on. Our job is to know the truth and do what? Continue therein. My cousin and I were pushing that pickup. We were doing what we need to do. Faith begins where the will of God is known. The spirit of truth lives inside of you. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Come on. But a double-minded man is unstable in all these ways. You can't have attractions and distractions. But if you're faced and you're focused and you're steadfast or firm in what you believe and you're not double-minded, guess what? You'll know the truth and continue in it. And then watch what happens in this verse. Your job is to know the truth and continue. And all of a sudden, what does it say? The truth will set you free. When you know the truth and start continuing it, there'll be a period where the Holy Spirit will basically say, jump in. Because now he's going to take you. What you couldn't barely push is now taking you down the road going 30 miles an hour. So when you know the truth and continue in it, there'll be a period where they'll shift and the truth will set you free. Amen? Why? People say, well, how can that be? Well, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Verse 58 says this in another translation. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That is, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile, never wasted, or to no purpose. You know, Pastor Greg could have, um, you know, we, it could be, let's say it was 110 degrees in here. He said, I have a device here that if I plugged it in over there in that wall, <clears throat> that it is guaranteed in five minutes with these four blowers, cool this room down to 70 degrees where I get my money back. What if he walks over and plugs it in and sits there and nothing happens? Well, it's broke. It's defective. Now, did, did it look like he plugged it in? Yeah. But if he doesn't plug it in all the way, what's happening to the circuit? He's denying the power thereof. See, if you don't do it what God is telling us to do on a consistent basis, come on, then you have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. Turn to this scripture real quick. I got a couple more and we're, we're done. I hope you all have gotten something out of this tonight. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 4. This second epistle, beloved, now I write unto you, which both I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, I think this is so important. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, scoffers or mockers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the forefathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But verse 17 is our key. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware lest you also be led away with the air of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness. One translation says this, fall from your own present firm condition, your own steadfastness of mind. Now, did, did they get the video? Did y'all, was y'all able to do the video? I, I didn't know if they... Can, can you play that video? It's only two minutes. Is that okay? Everybody okay? Then I'm going to read one scripture at that. 
Can you play that video real quick? Thank you, Pastor Greg. At the 1968 Mexico City Marathon, three men earned the right to stand on the victory platform. The winners of the gold, silver, and bronze Olympic medals. But for some, the reward is a personal one. The knowledge that they finished what they set out to do. A little over an hour after the winner of the marathon crossed the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. Afterwards, it was written, Today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit, a performance that gives true dignity to sport, a performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games, a performance that gives meaning to the word courage. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. The light in this Tanzanian runner is a beacon to us all, to endure to the end, to finish the race, however long and hard the road. Let me give you a couple facts. I have that picture for years in my office. It, it was called the greatest last place finish. 83 people started that race. John Stephen Carey finished 57th, last place. But 26 people quit. He was an hour, I looked it up, two hours and 20 minutes was the winner. His time was three hours and 25 minutes. And when I was looking at that, I thought there was only 15,000 people left in the stands. They already did the medal presentations, the flags, they did the anthem, and everybody left. But they kept the lights on. Because <laughs> one guy was still running in the race. And he said, and I read his other bio and you know, different things. He said, the thought of quitting never entered into my mind. And I just want to read this. He, he got hurt at 11.8 mile marker. So he ran 14.4 miles more on a bad leg. And one account said he could have possibly had a separated shoulder, but you couldn't tell it when he was running. Let me read this, and I want to close with this. 
Hebrews chapter 10. This is one of my favorite passages of all time. Verse 35 through 39 says this. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full of what is promised. For still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. But the just shall live by faith. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. Verse 39, the first three words, I underlined it. But our way. I love that. But our way is not of those who draw back to eternal misery and perdition and are utterly destroyed. But we are of those who believe, who cling to, who trust in, and rely on God through faith, through, through Jesus Christ the Messiah, and by faith preserve our souls. I'm going to leave this in closing and then turn over to pastor. Jesus did not come from heaven to be born in a manger and become part of us and suffer a brutal death and go to hell and rise again so you and I could say we started a good race. He did all of that so we could finish the race. Your race is different than mine. Your hand, my hands don't fit your plow. I can't see your expected end or mark. You can't run in my lane. But if you trip and fall, I'll stop and come over and help you up. I'll point you up, but I'll tell you the direction that you probably was going. But I got to get back in my lane and do it. Whatever you do, remain steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because I'm telling you this. I, I've been using this phrase a lot lately. Jesus is coming. Get busy. But whatever you do, set your faces flint. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.